Hey everyone, welcome to the Goody Media Radio Show. My name is Michael. It's uh, July 25th, uh, 2018, and we have some news and stuff for you guys today. Um, talk to you a little bit about some new devices that are coming out soon, uh, Android P, and uh, a whole lot more. So if you have been a loyal YouTube watcher, we have... Um, been posting a little bit more irregularly. Traditionally, we in like 2018, 2017, we posted a video a day. Uh, Peter's been in Japan, I guess, for like the last two months. And so he's been doing some content, but I don't actually like have access to the studio because like he's like the only one sort of with access. So he's been doing some stuff from Japan and... Um, you know, we've kind of been posting a backlog of stuff that we've been meaning to post for like the last little while. So he is coming back at the end of July. So we'll do more videos then. We have uh, the Remarkable, the Sony Digital Paper, the new one that came out in 2018, the 10.3-inch one, uh, the CP1. We have uh, the Onyx Book Note S and a ton of other sort of prosumer uh, stylus, you know, higher cost like displays. Like to give you an example, like you can get a Kindle Paperwhite for like $99 for the most part. Uh, these devices cost like $399 and up all the way to like $799. So if you're going to be paying that type of money, you probably want to know what the best ones are in the market. So we're going to be doing a bunch of videos where we compare multiple ones against each other at the same time, give you a sense of uh, stylus responsiveness what type of features does each one bring to the table and talk about like the screen tech um, using a stylus on uh, a larger screen you traditionally want to go with a glass screen whereas a lot of them have sort of flexible plastic screens and the harder you press the more likely you are to uh, first damage the stylus nib but also if uh, some styluses like the Sony has like um, like almost like a pencil type thing and it's kind of grady and if you press really hard on your screen you're actually going to scratch it so a lot of people just buy screen protectors but that's sort of the purpose of these series of videos is to like give you uh, sort of a professional grade overview of what are the better ones why would you buy this over the other one it's not necessarily saying oh this one's the ultimate or this one's the best we're going to do that so that's sort of like one among many videos that we're going to do um speaking of sort of e-readers e1 book is one company we've been super bullish on they released a Kickstarter product at the beginning of the year. It was a dual screen, 7.8 inch, so two e-ink screens, uh, graphed together, open and closed like a real book. It had like a book jacket and everything. It was a manga reader, and it only came with one manga. It didn't have an SD card, no way to load in your own content. Uh, it came with the entire sort of... I think 12 volume series of Fist of the North Star and it was the original art for digital so if you have read manga like online like sort of scanlation or pirated manga uh, the levels not that great quality even sort of online manga artists that sort of do like web comics types of things uh, their art's not that great whereas like huge manga that sold like millions of copies artistic level is really high so 
Progress Technologies, the guys behind the E1 book, they managed to get like the original digital art, and so it looks tremendous. So they're coming out with a second generation. Okay, so the problem with the first generation one is that it was sold on Kickstarter like for like a three-month window. If you didn't order it off Kickstarter, you didn't get one. Um, it was mainly in Japan that you got it, although the manga was both in English and uh, Japanese. Uh, check out our videos uh, that we did on it uh, and read our review. I'll link to it in the description uh, of this thing. So if you're listening to this podcast on um, Apple Podcasts, a Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, you can go to goodyreader.com and... Um, you can just you know type in a search bar like E1 book and you can check out our coverage on that. But our review is really solid. Uh, it was one of my better ones that I did. So they're coming out with a second generation model. It's not going to be on Kickstarter. It's only available in like five bookstores in Japan. But this one has an SD card and it also has five manga series now. And what you do is you buy the manga from like progress technologies on the e1 book page so you can buy just one device and you can just buy sd cards that are just like packed with like you know two point whatever gigs of manga uh the entire authorized series and progress basically just like goes to publishers saying you know we want to bundle this uh you'll be compensated like a lot for it uh, more than they would be if they just sold manga like individually or did like an unlimited program or something like that so on a like financial level this makes sense you sell one piece of hardware and then you actually sell the sd cards that have the content on it and you kind of like bypass the whole piracy on it now the question with the sd card is what is the format that the manga is available in is it just like cbz cbr or is it like a proprietary e1 book format if that's the case you can like sideload in your own manga on this which actually makes it more of a compelling value proposition instead of just reading on a single screen like your kindle or uh, kobo they both have sort of manga functionality you can have like a dual screen 7.8 one panel on one side, one panel on the other side, and um, you can do something like that. Um, it remains to be seen if they'll have it. I'm actually trying to talk to them about making Goody Reader the authorized North American sort of outside Japan distributor because they have a cool product. They just like really suck at marketing it. And, uh, you know, we've been like selling e-readers since like 2012 we did it under the shop e-readers brand and then eventually we uh, started selling it on our goodie reader on our website like about a year and a half ago we started doing that so uh, rather than diverting someone to a new brand we just thought hey everyone visits goodie reader might as well just like have everything under like one roof our app store our store like all that type of stuff so that's sort of uh, the story about E1 book. Android P is coming out uh, fairly soon. It's going to come out this fall, but they just released like the final beta uh, yesterday. Um, it's beta 4. It Android P is sort of the latest Google operating system. So it's like Google 
Android 9 for the most part. Uh, it contains a number of visual and functional changes across the entire operating system. Multitasking now shows a preview of each app's entire window. The quick shortcuts pull down and settings menu also got a makeover. You can easily edit and, anno and annotate screenshots and there's rounded corners everywhere. Um, there's going to be digital wellness features, app timers, a dashboard that breaks down your smartphone usage. Uh, that isn't going to be in Android 9, but it'll be available in and Android 9.1. This is generally like when Android is uh, going to be uh, fully upgraded once Google releases like their new tablet, uh, their new smartwatch that they're rumored to be making, uh, their new phone, their new uh, uh, Chromebook Pixel 2. So um, Google is going to refresh everything uh, in their catalog. So a lot of people like their Nexus phones or uh, the Nexus tablets. Um, but Google's doing some other things like smartwatches. Um, I've written about it on the blog. It seems pretty cool. Don't really know a ton about it uh, at this point, but it's pretty well. Google has always sort of made projects that are products that really enhance its overall operating system. And they recently um, changed uh, Android Wear to Wear OS. Um, and so in order to really get more companies to use it, Google has to sort of release like a flag flagship product to get people excited about it. People start buying that. People start must start buying other uh, Android-driven smartwatches. Uh, there is a massive list of every change in Android uh, with Android P on uh, Android Police. They have like a massive list with like pictures and like videos and like everything like that everything from like smart replies to uh, how you dismiss notifications like everything is changing in this on this uh, OS with on um, sort of a, a fundamental graphic level and with that comes like a lot of underlying changes as well uh, in the link to this radio show will also tell you a uh, link to that as well uh, in terms of ebooks and digital content, uh, Kobo has been one of the closest Amazon competitors out there. I'd probably say that they're only serious global competitor. There's a bunch of minor players that do well in specific regions, but when it comes to uh, second in the e-reader and e-book space, Kobo's it. They launched Kobo Originals in early 2008. The program features audiobooks and e-books by self-published authors as well as established publishing, uh, like authors who are attached to like major labels, publishing companies. Um, they have done this in France, the Netherlands, and Canada. And they have, uh, I've been told by a number of librarians that Kobo has quietly included all of their own content into the OverDrive catalog. OverDrive and Kobo are both owned by Rakuten, and so the two sides have been working closer together over the last few years. There's like about, I know of 14 titles, both ebook and audiobook, that are going to be doing, uh, that are in, like OverDrive right now. I'm trying to find out an exact number from uh, the head of like publishing relations at Kobo. Uh, Kobo Originals sort of falls under her scope. So she's basically like the king of Kobo or the the queen of Kobo originals because it's a girl. Um, and I've reached out to like Overdrive. So 
I'll probably do an update on that in terms of exact numbers and everything like that. So yeah, I'm trying to track down the exact numbers, but I do know 100% that Kobo Originals is on Overdrive. And this is sort of the first time that a company who has made original content um, in terms of an ebook company who is on Overdrive, like there's self-published authors from Smashwords and like other things that include their stuff in Overdrive, but it's in a special section. Uh, Kobo Originals is basically stacked side by side with all the other library books. Um, so what is very interesting about this is what does this do for Audible Originals? Because um, if Kobo original audiobooks that Kobo has produced are in the library and in U.S. libraries, you can actually, when you, when you borrow ebooks from the library, you can wirelessly send them to your Kindle. In the U.S. is the only market that allows you to do that, which makes the Kindle a valued investment for like library books. Like if you go to your library uh, website in the U.S., there's a, like a send a Kindle option there and instructions like on how to do it. Um, in Canada, you can't do that. In, you know, Europe... Uh, every country outside the U.S. you can't really do that. So it'd be interesting to see if Audible Originals will be distributed to the Greater Overdrive catalog too, uh, because you got to think about it. Kobo Originals launched basically as like a, an added draw to do business with the company. It, like, sure, you Kobo has the same eBooks that you can buy on Amazon or iBooks or uh, Google Books and a, a myriad of other things. So, how does an online company that sells books differentiate itself from the competition? Well, you start producing your own original content, and you either give it away for free to people who are like, you know, members like Kobo Plus is an online subscription program that's available in the Netherlands. All Kobo original content is available to be just streamed and downloaded for free. Uh, Kobo doesn't really have this unlimited subscription system outside the Netherlands. Netherlands is like a test bed for them. Uh, publisher like pushback, how to deal with like people who are on the fence. Um, Netherlands and like the Nordic countries in general pretty open to the idea of unlimited uh, lending because of the companies like Storytel uh, and, and other companies that have like risen uh, in the past few years that have like either like like a like an unlimited model light where you're on a credit system or you just have like full on you pay ninety nine ninety nine a month or whatever the fee is and you get access to uh, the entire catalog and this provides like a ton of useful business intelligence information um, but you know audible originals one of the benefits of paying audible a monthly subscription free audible runs on the credit based system so you pay varying amounts of money per month you get x number of credits per month the more you spend the more credits that you get but audible originals is like a, an added bonus where if you're a paid audible member you get free access to audio originals it's um um, like audio plays, ensemble type audiobook casts, reading, say, like Lord of the Rings or something like that. It's podcast, it's like uh, mystery type things. Um, it's like a large, kind of short 
platform uh, original content and they're going to give it for away for free it's an incentive to do business with them because again uh, there's a lot of companies in the audiobook uh, field audiobooks.com uh, Kobo audiobooks Google audiobooks uh, like iBooks with their audiobook section I mean there's no shortage of audiobook retailers and that's just, just in the states like there's a ton of different companies like uh, in uh, Brazil like little startups from there the startups everywhere that are offering this like selling digital content and so you have to differentiate yourself in the market and the one way that you do that is with original content uh kobo was pretty well did it because audible's doing it and they have to you know they have to keep pace they can't let uh audible out innovate them and so um it'd be interesting to see if Amazon will see Kobo doing different things with like Overdrive and they'll try to do something as well uh, because if they start inc including Audible original content and Overdrive at the beginning of each Audible like original it says like this is a production of Audible audible for all your audiobooks needs visit audible.com for more information so it's like a way that you sort of uh leverage your free existing content that you retain ownership of in a way to promote your ecosystem so i do think that and, and don't forget when people borrow stuff from the library i mean audible is paid for that as well so it's a, a way that they can sort of double dip they're offering for it for free for paid members so it's not like they're selling this stuff individually much like kobo originals you're not paying for this stuff individually it's more or less free as a it's a perk of doing business with the company so um yeah i mean a lot of this is kind of the, uh, the audible i mean that's this is sort of the landscape as i've kind of laid it out to you and it's something that a lot of people kind of don't talk about but that's sort of uh, how it is right now i do have an upcoming review or an interview rather with the president of e-ink which i'm totally stoked about <laughs> it was like the first time i've really gotten direct access to him so he's he's sort of like he started the man in, in the high castle. So I asked him some pretty hard hitting questions. I should be publishing, uh, and I just got a response back uh, today. So that's why I'm kind of mentioning it because it's something upcoming of what I'm going to do. So Inc. is sort of the, they're the last man standing for e-paper. Um, Early on in the e-reader revolution, there was a ton of companies involved in the e-paper space. Uh, LG, Epson, Bridgestone, uh, Pixelqui, Plastic Logic. I mean, Hanvon was doing interesting things. There was all sorts of companies involved in the e-paper space. Because from like 2007 to like 2012, it was like the Wild West. There was no, E-Ink wasn't the established juggernaut. They were just like one of many. Um, there were some well-funded people that were trying to compete with them. But slowly, um, as Amazon did a relationship with E-Ink, as Kobo did a relationship with E-Ink, they couldn't get the customers that they needed to really kind of out innovate e-ink because e-ink in the early years they were doing like uh visplex pearl uh pearl hd carta carta hd triton one triton two uh advanced e-color display prism spectra i mean they were doing a lot of things 
but they were doing it because they needed to constantly innovate in order to uh if they didn't out innovate the competition and they were just sort of relying on maybe one or two technologies, the EBD landscape in 2018 might be quite different. We might have like three or four different players uh, there, but um, E-Ink out managed to manage to out innovate them. And so slowly, you know, Bridgestone stopped making it. Pixel Kui, uh, you know, Mary Lou Jepsen, who was in charge of writing it, she left the company and became like, think she's like one of the head honchos at google right now um she's had different job titles over the years uh she i think she was part of the innovation fund like uh yeah in charge of like pretty high high level stuff and so more people like were leaving these companies and working for like the competition some of them went to like amazon some of them like just got out of it or went to different departments like bridgestone like the tire company they made e-paper screens they were actually pretty freaking cool they were all like uh, like 14 15 inches and this was like 2011 you know when like the Kindle was six inches, Kobo was six inches, Barnes and Noble was six inches, and they were making these giant screens, really kind of ahead of their time. And yeah, so Yank out innovated them in the early years and outlasted them, getting like the big contracts with like the you know the Amazons and the Barnes and Nobles and the Kobo of the world. And so they're since they're the last man standing. One argument that I hear a lot is that Yank has lost its innovation spirit. It's sort of like if you're a wrestling fan and you kind of grew up like in the 2000s, there was the whole like Monday Night Wars, WCW versus WWF, now WWE. Once WCW folded, WWE got most of the talent. They're the sort of number one global wrestling company. But... um they are not really innovating. They have their own in-ring style. Uh, most of the matches look exactly the same. Uh, they don't really take a lot of risks. And then because they're the number one company and they have been for so long, they can just usually just do what they do and they don't really have any competition. So it doesn't really matter anymore. Um, they have the WWE network now. So pay-per-views are kind of irrelevant right now. Um, it's just like it's content and the match qualities don't really matter anymore which is like why like 90s wrestling versus the attitude era versus the monday night wars that was sort of like the pinnacle of um american wrestling at the time but because wwe has been complacent for so long this has led to the rise of our, our like i'm talking about the companies relevant today so it's like roh and then there's new japan and new japan pretty well has some of the best talent and they have the best matches out of any wrestling promotion uh in the world um it's been a number of really good young bucks matches there's been uh kenny omega matches uh Naito, you know, they, these guys are wrestling like five-star matches many different times in a year. And they're a rising force. They have their own subscription service now. They're starting to get pretty big. And there is some guys like on the indie circuit that Amazon's looking to poach, kind of smaller organizations like uh, the Matt Riddles of the world. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, 
WWE has sort of recognized the rise of these companies and they're trying to poach talent now and they're stacking NXT with like really young guys. But with E-Ink, and this is sort of the parallel, is that they've been number one so long that they're super complacent now. They're using the average e-reader that you'll buy. So the, you know, the Kindle Oasis 2s, the uh, Kobo Clara HD, the Barnes & Noble Nook Low Light 3. They're using uh, Ian Carta HD screens that were made in 2014. They're using processors that were made in 2011 and in 2012, except for the latest generation Kindle Oasis, which is using an IMX7 dual-core processor. But... Almost e-readers, almost every e-reader on the market are running single-core processors from 2011. E-ink screens from like 2013-2014. It's really, their innovation has stalled. And I pulled no punches during my interview because I was like, you know, I explained all of this. And I'm like, e-ink as a singular entity, their innovation is stalled because they're trying to get your hands in many different cookie jars. You're trying to do luggage tags. You're trying to do solar panel, the bus stop signs. You're trying to like do the internet of things. They said that by like 2020, 20% of their global revenue, but will be uh, in China from the catch all phrase, the internet of things. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to get them to tell me what does this mean? Because Whenever you're doing all this stuff, it's just buzzwords, Internet of Things, uh, the wearable space. I mean, those are just buzzwords that the industry uses when they don't want to explain what they're actually going to do. So I'm, I'm trying to get details on exactly what are their plans? What are they trying to do? How are they going to innovate? Are they even interested in innovating anymore? Or are they just trying to expand their revenue stream? Continue just plugging along like they're doing, not really doing anything new because like, you know, they've been making record revenues for the, about the last year and a half, like on a quarter by quarter basis. And so, they only had one quarter that uh, of 2018 that didn't do so well. That sort of broke almost that two-year trend because uh, they purchased SES Image Tag was like a company that made, um, you know, um, e-ink badges that had like near-field technology, so you could put two badges together and transfer contact information. It's like luggage tags. It's like smart jewelry. You know things like that. And so they're trying to, they bought that company because they wanted to make a more serious play for like the internet of things space. And I also wanted to find out what's the state of affairs regarding them and Sony's relationship sort of in mid 2017, they did like a co partnership with Sony where they were going to like leverage Sony's things and E-Ink's things in order to help customers get things faster to market aside from like the initial press release i think it was called linify l-l-l-i-n-i-f-y um i don't know any product that they actually released they said that they were going to focus on e-notebooks but from my understanding they're not yank never kind of releases its own e-readers they sort of just like make the e-paper displays and they have them available for customers to do whatever the f they want with it uh sony um who knows like who knows what this co-partnership is has there been any tangible products made have they got any orders what did they do for marketing if i say want to go to ian and say hey i want to make a smart bracelet can i work with you in sony 
Who do I talk to? What's the minimum order quality? You know, quality. Um, what's the advantage of working with this co-branded partnership over a company like Netronics or uh, over like a Jezatech? You know, what are the what are the benefits of me doing that? And what's your pitch? So. I'm trying to find this out because like a lot of this news for e-ink, they have like initial press release and then it's, they don't mention it ever again. And they try to just, you know, who knows what's happening with it. And, you know, being pretty well, the only journalist involved in like this e-ink e-paper segment that's really involved in it. It's my job. I mean, I don't have a side job. Goody reader is all I do. So it's, it's, it's all I do. And so I'm a journalist dedicated to e-readers, which some people say is a dying product, but I don't give an F, uh, e-books and e-paper. So I'm trying really hard to kind of find out all these answers. I mean, if anything, just for me, I really kind of just want to find out what is happening after the initial press release. What are they actually going to do? What does this mean? Like, you know, 20% of your revenue in China in 20 in, by 2020. It's like two years away. You're building something new in Japan, like a new sort of like research park. What are you doing there? Like, what is your plans to do it? Who knows if they'll actually answer me, but these are questions I think that people want to know because who, you know, for Goody Reader, sure, when a press release comes out, it's like, you know, this is kind of interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll write about it, but you know, months later when it's never mentioned again, it's like, uh, hey, what's up with this? And I, I ping my press, you know, my PR contacts and they're like, oh, we haven't heard anything. Do you want to talk directly with E-Ink? I'm like, sure. And then like four weeks goes by before I even like hear a reply and they both, we both get busy. And so it sort of gets, you know, swept under our rug. So I've really kind of reached out to the CEO of E-Ink, Frank Coe, and uh, to Johnson Lee, who's the president of E-Ink to get direct contact with them because it's the only way that I'm really going to kind of get these like unfiltered answers. And because e-ink isn't like a billion dollar company there, I find that their leadership is a little bit more approachable and, you know, I could get them to talk with me. We had like a lot of discussions before we even kind of agreed to do the interview. Whereas like, say if I want to speak with like Jeff Bezos, good luck. If I wanted to speak with like, you know, who's in charge of Google, like, you know, Microsoft, I'd never get, be able to even get close to them. But you know, a company, um, you know, I find even Barnes and Noble, it's hard to, to get, to talk with anyone. The head of digital, I've been trying for a year and a half to talk to him, and it's always like, oh, you know, we could do the interview on such and such a date. Oh, he got busy with meetings. Can we can we do this later and indeterminate and later? So uh, I get regular access to like Kobo and Onyx and Icarus and like all these other companies, you know, from smaller to mid level companies. Uh, Amazon, I can get access to people who I who I know. I want to get access to. It's not like, can I speak with, you know, can I uh, get some answers about what's next for the Kindle? No. But if I asked to speak with somebody specifically, they could arrange it. So the, like, you know, I published a, an awesome interview with like the head of, um, Amazon publishing and the person in charge of Kindle singles. It's like, the same girl again, you know, it's like all these women are like in charge of like all these like 
original content productions. It's like women in charge of Kobo, women in charge of like Amazon, a lot of the top publishers, all these divisions are run by women. The top executive positions are all men, of course, but it's like kind of awesome to see like, um, all these women doing these really high level stuff. And I totally respect them because it's stuff I couldn't do. And, um, you know, I, I had an interview with her, but I was only able to, f I was only able to ask who she was because I was like, well, I knew, I knew the old editor of Kindle singles, but he left like three years ago. So who's in charge of it now? And it all it took me like two months to find out who was in charge of it because it's not actually documented anywhere. Who's in charge of it. Like it wasn't on LinkedIn. It wasn't on the web. It wasn't on Amazon's like internal, um, you know, who who work who's the who are the executives in charge of it she wasn't even mentioned so i had to like i had to move mountains to find out who was in charge of it and then eventually i paid my pr contact i'm like yo i want to speak to this girl here's her here's her name here's the department she's like in hall can you can you do it so she's like okay here's her email contact her there and that you know that's for amazon that's what you got to do you got to know who you want to speak with and it has to be someone not at the top of the mountain like a not not a jeff bezos or any of his lieutenants but anybody kind of in charge of like these little things you can kind of get access to so sort of my job to get access so that that was like a little info on like how i go about my like journalistic endeavors to try to score interviews it's not like bang and bang it's like for these big interviews that i do it's months it takes months to get in contact with these people find holes in their schedule get, get them on the phone and then do like follow-up emails like based on you know when you do a phone call a lot of journalists will um record the phone call uh for me i just like talk with them and i just retain all the key points i don't even take notes during a phone call but i used to do that when i first started out but then there's like these like super long pauses in between what they said like a question i asked and the question they answered but like usually it's it's it flows like a natural conversation when you're talking on the phone with someone and i found like it detracted from the conversation when i was taking notes so i kind of freeform talk and I know enough about the questions that I want to ask that I take the main points of like the answers and then any clarification that I need on specific things. Like if it's how many ebooks have you, you know, published from this date to this date? I'm not going to ask them that on the phone, but I will answer that in an email because I'd like to have that email information handy, both for that article, but for future articles. So when I talk about the greater ebook industry, I could be like, you know, according to Amazon sources, they've did this 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 and it's like based on those interviews that i did and specific figures that were in emails that i could sort of make reference to at a later date so when you work as a journalist especially like as an indie journalist doing your own thing kind of requires like a deft hand and that's sort of like why on a daily basis we might publish like four or five different articles but we have like at any given time six or seven videos that we're kind of getting ready to shoot where I talked to Peter about, okay, these products are coming down the pipe. These are review samples that are coming to us. One's arriving on Thursday. One's arriving on Monday. One's arriving next Wednesday. Let's film two weeks from now on a Saturday. And then that way we kind of do up the film schedule at the same time. I'm coordinating all these interviews with like all these executives trying to keep my ear to the ground about like new startups, what's happening, what's happening, you know, how is 
How's the greater landscape of the digital publishing industry uh, shifting? Um, and audiobooks. Audiobooks are moving pretty fast. Um, you know, in 2018, I did sort of like a six-month wrap-up, and there's a lot of trends this year that are unlike other years. Uh, original content is a huge trend this year. Um, vinyl records is, is suddenly a thing. A lot of big-name authors are releasing these, you know, single or double LP records set because, like, you know, Records are making a comeback, apparently. Uh, record companies are selling more record players now um, than they did every other, uh, you know, any other year, except for like the 70s and 60s when record players were ubiquitous with, you know, with, with, with young people. So record players are making a comeback. Uh, vinyl is making a comeback. So authors are trying to reach people. They're including a free digital edition when you buy the records. So you can listen to it on your smartphone or your tablet or on your PC and so on. So vinyl records is like a big thing. And um, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to kind of pay attention to my end of the year report which I've been doing for the last four years, and I'm super proud of them. They're pretty well, the most comprehensive free reports that you'll find anywhere about the entire global audiobook industry. Talk to every retailer, uh, every streaming service, every library service that offers it, um, both ebooks and audiobooks. I talk to, you know, the Kobo, the Amazon, the Barnes and Nobles, uh, the Storytells, the the Bull.com. Uh, I talk to like everybody. I talk to everyone across the publishing sector: Penguin Random House, Simon and Schuster, Hachette, HarperCollins, uh, Macmillan. I talk to the audiobook engineers and talk to audiobook narrators. So I, t you know, it, it's every, it's epic. And every year they get longer and longer and more comprehensive, and. Um, you know, they may not get a ton of comments, but they get a ton of reads. I think like the one I did last year had 1.8 million reads and like three comments. And it's sort of those have made has sort of put us on the map in terms of the audiobook industry because there's really kind of nothing like it. There's, you know, everyone kind of keeps everything like in the publishing industry, they keep everything close to the vest. Same with like audiobooks. Has you have you ever heard about how many audiobooks Audible's ever sold, or um, Kobo's ever sold? How many audiobooks has Google sold? How many loans has Overdrive made year on year? And those aren't information that's usually available. So I, I you know talk to these companies and I get all the information that I can and I extrapolate the rest. And so you can kind of get a sense on how the global audiobook industry is doing and how um, how it's changed year on year. What were the big trends last year? What were the big trends this year? What are the new trends going forward? And it's not trends that I, I make up or I invent. I mean, I'm asking like audible what trends do you see and i ask like audiobooks.com ask overdrive recorded books uh, baker and taylor uh, all the publishing companies you know what trends did you notice in 2018 what trends do you have you you know are you going to do for the first six months of 2019 and um i published these like epic pieces and i'm like super proud of them because it's yeah i mean kind of going above and beyond the the call of duty and i think i'm only able to kind of really only do that because goodreader is my job i know a lot of journalists who i mean there's like 
maybe one or two other ebook blogs like out there like a kind of e-reader e-paper blogs but uh, there's sort of these like one man soapboxes they only have like one person uh we have like two or three different writers that write for us on a regular basis i mean peter do all the youtube stuff it's like professional quality i mean we're the only one that really matters for the most part we're the only one with like a podcast but i mean in terms of ear to the ground and news yeah i mean if i had a day job i wouldn't be able to do what i did you know if anything it'd be like one post a day maybe one post every few days and um would you want to kind of come back to our our website every day if we only published one thing every other day probably not i mean when it comes down to it you know when you're listening to this podcast you're supporting us when you uh, spend 10 minutes reading some of the articles i publish on our blog that helps us when you watch a youtube video it helps us you know for when there's ads being displayed uh, if you we have like Amazon shopping bars. You buy something from Amazon, we get a little bit of money. And um, all that stuff, I mean, it's, it's, it's enough for our team to keep on doing what we're doing, pays like all of our bills and puts a little bit of extra in our pocket. It allows me to shop at Whole Foods and like buy organic produce and things like that. And so um, it's everyone who's supported us over the years that I'm, I'm tremendously thankful for. And it inspires me to continuing my journey on getting answers to unasked questions and to ask the questions that nobody wants to seem to answer on a daily basis. So that's sort of what I've been doing lately. And you've been kind of caught up in terms of the latest news. Keep paying attention to our YouTube uh, channel at the end of the month. We're going to be doing a lot of crazy good things. Uh, YouTube.com slash Goody You've been listening to the Goody Reader Radio Show. My name is Michael and everybody take care.